Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's my pleasure this morning to welcome Pastor Danny Gullimucci amongst us this morning, and uh, he's no stranger to us. But for those that don't know, Pastor Danny is the founding pastor of Edge Church, International, a multi-city, multi-sited church. He currently oversees a ministry called Pattern Builders as he ministers to the body of Christ. Danny has a great passion for people, as we all know. He's been a great friend of our church. I'm sure that his ministry will bless us this morning. So please give him a warm welcome as he comes. Thank you very much. I feel like I don't need introduction because I feel like part of the family and it's always good to be with you. Some people say, when are you going to retire? I go, well, when you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life, you know. So it's fantastic. A friend of mine said he went to work the other day and his boss said, have a good day. So he went home and, uh, you know, so you think, well, it's a little bit like that. We can't get workers anymore. It's quite crazy. You know, at 66 years of age, I've come to the conclusion that sermons don't change people's lives, but a true impartation of a revelation of God's Word can bring about amazing transformation. Sometimes a sentence, a phrase. I remember when we were going to Bible college and didn't know how we were going to live in 1983, how we were going to pay the bills. We'd given up our work and just one morning, one scripture, Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro all the earth to strongly support those whose heart is after him. And that one verse settled my heart and all my life I've known it to be true. One word today can change your life. And I want to say in preparation for what to speak, because there's lots of things you can talk about, I've never felt in the last few weeks more attack from the enemy in ways I haven't got time to tell you today, including this morning and having to fight through because when we bring God's truth in this day and age, it can bring about transformation that's so dearly needed right now in our world. I don't need to spend a whole day telling you how things are going in the world because they're not going well. But we need a church that will arise and not sit down when the attacks come. And before I share the word that God's put on my heart today that has transformed my life and I want it to impact your life, I believe there's people all over this room that this week you've had a horrible week. You felt like you've been attacked from every angle. And before I even share the word of God, I want to remove those attacks from your mind this morning in prayer. And if that's you, just slip up your hand wherever you are. I'll see it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your honesty. Father, this morning, we just pray that you will just come and put a, a shield over our minds, a, a helmet over our minds today to protect us from the distractions of the enemy. And God, may you come today and impart into our lives life-changing eternal truth that we'll never be the same, not because of a good sermon, but because of your truth being imparted into our lives Amen. You know, as I look at the Bible, I see that every single person that had an encounter with Jesus was transformed completely. The difference from before and after is incredible. 
And it all happens because of proximity. A lot of people want God to change their lives, but He's so distant from them that even if He is speaking, they're not sure if it's Him. But my prayer this morning is that we come into proximity to what God is saying. I'm going to take one character in the Bible and share with you something that I think relates to where we live. Do you know, every morning I wake up and there's two Dannys. There's the Danny that wants to follow God and there's the Danny that wants to listen to his flesh. And every one of us wakes up with that every day. You might wake up and say, good morning, Lord, or you might wake up and say, good Lord, morning. <laughs> and, and, and you think, my goodness, some days you don't want to get out of bed. That's when the trouble starts. While I'm asleep, I'm okay. But the minute I wake up, there are two voices that continually speak to me. One is my flesh crying for its fulfilment. And one is the God part of Danny that wants to do what is right. Today we live in a world where it's very trendy to have a mentor or a life coach. It's very popular. But I want to say in a time when it wasn't popular, I found my mentors in the Word of God. I found mentors in the Bible that radically were changed by Jesus and able to do what they could have never done without an encounter with Jesus. As I look at my life over the last 40-something years of ministry, I'm just too dumb in the natural reason, Danny, to do some of the things that we saw God do. And I realised that the decisions I made in my life that were made out of revelation have always had a proper result. But the decisions that I made out of reason got me into trouble. If I want to narrow the message down this morning, is God is calling the church right now to stop living out of reason and get back to living out of revelation because the world needs a demonstration of the true church to rise up and be in a place where it's undeniably God at work in the world through the church. I look at the people in the Bible, as I said before, that were transformed so powerfully by God. We get the Apostle Paul who was a terrorist out to destroy the church and he has an encounter with Jesus and he's told, Paul, I'm going to show you through the prophetic word the things you're going to suffer. What an introduction to the ministry. Welcome to the ministry. I'm going to show you what you're going to suffer. Suffering for God is worth it, my friends, because of the results are amazing. How does a terrorist in Romans become a theologian? In First and First Corinthians, he becomes a troubleshooter. In First and Second Timothy, he is a father from a terrorist, a father and a mentor. In Galatians, he's a warrior, and in Philippians, he's the eternal optimist. How do you find all that in one person? Sometimes we narrow things down to personalities, but it's more than personalities. When you encounter Christ, everything changes. And today I want to take a look at one person that I relate to very deeply and that's the life of the Apostle Peter. Peter is an incredible encouragement to me because when you look at his life, you see all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the reason Peter, the revelation Peter. I'm going to share three main thoughts today. The Peter of revelation, the Peter of reason and the Peter of return. 
I'm so grateful that no matter how much we stuff up, there's a return we can come to. There's a place we can come to back to Revelation. Peter and his, and his brother were working as fishermen, as many of you know, when Jesus called them to join his ministry team. They left their fishing business and followed Jesus. I have been so blessed, encouraged by Peter's life and his genuine love for Jesus. But I'm also very moved by the things that reason Peter had to go through. Because as I said, as Christians, we live with those two postures. Every day with reason or revelation and we can make a choice. There's a fable story of an Indian chief who was sitting with his grandson one day and he said to his grandson, you know, there are two wolves inside of us and they fight each other. And the grandson said to the grandfather, which one wins, grandpa? And grandpa said, the one you feed. The one you feed is the one who wins. I see Christians today, and I'm not being negative, honestly, I'm just being honest, who spend very little time building the revelation part of their life and live out of the reason issues of their life and then they're wondering why they're not living in victory. As a younger person, I used to get really judgmental when I saw people that called themselves Christians but you never saw any change in anything they did. And I used to get quite judgmental without realising that we can meet Jesus, but actually if we don't feed the right part, the wrong part rules, even if we carry the name Christian. The one you feed is the one you rule, the one that rules. I was with a couple the other day getting ready for marriage and, and I was talking to them and I said, did you know that believing in Jesus means behaving Jesus? They looked at me like, wow, we've never heard that before. Now, it's not perfection because behaving Jesus is a direction. We will make mistakes, but we get back on the right path. And I said, to believe in Jesus, the word believe in the original Greek actually means to adhere and to stick to. Because anybody can say they believe in Jesus. Anybody can pray a prayer, they don't know what it really means. But to behave Jesus means you really believe in Him. And that is a journey and we will make mistakes. And it's very important we understand those two sides of us. When my son Michael hit the wall pretty bad, and many of you know the story, I had nowhere to go. I didn't know where to get help. We heard of a man called Dr. Ray Andrews in Coffs Harbour and I took him over there on the recommendation of a lot of people that had, had ministry from him a spirit-filled, wonderful man who took one look at me when we arrived in Coffs Harbour. He could see my pain. He could see my hurt that what are people going to say? What are people going to think of my family? And, and I'm sitting there in reason, Danny. And he says to me, I'd like to spend a few hours with you. He prayed and then he called me in. You do have to fill in some forms that answer some questions. And he says to me, I'm going to tell you who you are. I said, that'll be great. And let me tell you the good bits first. He said, you know what, Danny, you're a feeler-doer. You have high revelation. I mean, I'd never met this man before. You're very transparent. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You love people. You're very enthusiastic and emotional. And you don't mind delegating. Keep talking, keep talking. I like this. 
praise me, worship at my footstool. And then he says, but let me tell you the negative sides of your personality. You're impatient. You get annoyed easily. You like a quick fix. You don't wait for people to catch up. You're impulsive. You trust too quickly. And you carry guilt all the time. I felt like the woman at the well that said, I met a man that knew everything about me. I said, how did you know all that? I rang my wife Sharon that night from Coffs Harbour and I read it out to her. I said, is that me? And all I heard on the other end of the phone was, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And as we started to unpack some of this stuff, I realised that there's two Dannys. There's the flesh part of the good part and it means that I need to deal with those things every day and I've got to know which part I've got to feed. I've got to know which part I've got to feed. And so the Peter of revelation, the Peter of reason and the Peter of return became very, very clear to me. And he actually said to me, Danny, you're like Peter in the Bible. So I went home and studied Peter. I go, huh? Yeah, that's me. In Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. The trouble in modern Christianity is too many people follow the God of some say. Some say that you can speak in tongues. Some say, no, you can't do that anymore. Some say you can't do this. Some say, and we've got too many people that serve the God of some say. I had another one in there and that we have the God of Yamcha. Because if you go to Yamcha, you have a bit of this, a bit of that. They probably don't tell you you're eating chicken feet, but you keep eating all these different things and you try a bit of everything. All you've got to do is go on the internet now and you have all bits and pieces of what the gospel is. And people have never been more confused in the church as well as out of the church. But I want to say today that we can have a revelation of who he is. And Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed, the Peter of Revelation, he has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. All of a sudden, Peter has a revelation of who God is. And again, I talk about this a lot because it's still so painful that nearly seven years ago, our son went to be with God. But I want to tell you, I might not remember all the sermons that I've heard all over my life, but I can remember the ones that were revelation to me. And they were the ones in the midst of my grief that carried me through. I'm working with businesses now outside of church world and when I share my story with people that don't know Jesus, I can share it with authenticity because I just share. The other day I was with a company and I shared the scripture God gave me when my son died and the person on the other end said, oh my goodness, that had to be God. And I go, wow. You see, when something is real, people are looking for authentic Christianity. 
They're looking for a church that doesn't just have all these beliefs, but they don't really know what they are. I mean, Caesarea Philippi was a place that was filled with heathen gods. And there were pal- uh, monuments built to heathen gods. Do you think Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Because he'd forgotten who he was. Jesus didn't ask the question, a pointed question, because he'd forgotten who he was. He asked the question because they didn't know who he was. And he was trying to work out, is there anyone here that knows who I am? And I want to say today, I could go back over my life. Every major decision I've made that's worked came from revelation not from information, not from copying someone else or observation. And the good news is each one of us can come to that place when we have a clarity of who He is, we then have a clear understanding of who we are through our identity, which is a major issue today. We will discover our destiny and have authority and walk in victory. A close encounter with Jesus can help this so much. And we can all live with this posture of revelation. The Bible's missing from the church. And we've got, I, I so love what Pastor Joe's doing with uh, bringing theological training into the house and getting to know the Word. Because as leaders that love God, we don't want to give you nice sermons. We want to impart truth that transforms your everyday life. We want the Bible back in the church because it works I'm preaching at another church tonight on the God who makes sense when the world says it's nonsense. We believe in a God who makes sense. And why does He make sense? Because He works. If you go to the doctor and He gives you a prescription and you take the medication, I was only reading this morning about a pill that makes you lose weight. I'm going to check it out when I get home and see if it's from reason or revelation. But the issue is if next time you see me and I've got one stripe left in my pyjamas, you know the pill worked, but I'm not going to take it. (laughs) The Peter of Revelation, he gets this picture of who Jesus is and right at that moment, he wants to lay his life down. I've been in moments like that in my life where God take all of me. I might have shared this with you before, but when my son passed away, I remembered of a time when before he was born, And God called me into the ministry. I said to God, God, you can have all of me, but just one thing, don't take any of my kids. And 10 minutes later, I think I shared it with you recently, I came back and I said, I'm sorry, Lord, I can't put conditions on you. It's either all or nothing. And I surrender. Now, God didn't take my son, but I did lose him. And I want to say this morning that when we give ourselves to God, there's no buts or conditions. It's God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with everything. And and Peter had this moment, but only a few verses later in verse 21, he becomes the Peter of reason. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Listen, Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to die. He actually said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside. Can you just imagine Peter taking Jesus aside? You need to listen to me, Jesus. I need to tell you something here. And he began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. 
You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view. When we as Christians move from revelation to reason, boy, it's amazing how much sense reason makes. And the devil doesn't come to us just at Halloween. He doesn't come to us with a pitchfork and horns. He comes to us with the voice of reason. Get thee behind me, Satan, because you are thinking from a human point of view. I can't begin to tell you after we lost Chris, how nearly day after day on one side of my brain is you've had enough. You need to quit. You're done. And everyone will understand. Having gone through what you went through with Michael, having gone through what you've been through with Chris and later cancer, everybody will understand that retirement's not a wrong thing for you. Boy, the voice of reason made sense. But inside there was another voice. The voice of revelation. And you know, the good thing is we can always come back to revelation when we've noticed we've slipped into reason. It's never too late. And I slip in and out of those things every day. I've become my own counsellor. And I have to counsel myself. Come on, reason, Danny, let go of that. You need to embrace revelation. Now, before I go any further, you might say, what does that mean? It means that every Christian needs to get to the Bible and read it until parts of it speak to you so deeply that you own it. I want to say this this morning. There are scriptures in the Bible. I feel they mind. They don't belong to anybody else. And sometimes when someone gets up and preaches from those scriptures, they go, oh, that's mine, that's mine. He's preaching from my scripture. Every one of us in this room should have our own ownership of truth. That is non-negotiable. It's not a preference, it's a conviction. And those convictions carry, carry you through no matter what. I grew up in a background where not everything I was raised to believe, I believed. At the age of 16, I had to leave my own family because of convictions that were being birthed inside of me. And I had to live with year after year after year of misunderstanding, misquotation. I read somewhere that there's seven young ladies a man should never take out on a date. Misquotation, misrepresentation. There's a lot of misses that you should never entertain in your life. But I realised that I had to stay in that revelation. It was 15 years ago that God began to show me the future of the church. And as I began to read the Scriptures, the days we are living now, God was showing me then the shakings that were going to come on the planet. I'm so glad that when you're saying something that is revelation and nobody else is saying it, you can still hang on to it. And the day will come where God will make it true. But then there's another time where Peter continues and says to Jesus, I'm never going to deny you. Jesus, I will never deny you. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times and, and you even, sorry, you will deny me three times that you ever knew me. Now Peter insisted, even I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. But sadly, he did end up denying Jesus and you can go and read it there in Scripture. We all do it. For Peter, in his posture of reason, he didn't turn out well. In John 18, verse 18, it was cold. 
He was out warming himself by a charcoal fire. And before you know it, he starts to deny that he ever knew Jesus. Someone says, aren't you the guy that cut another guy's ear off? And he goes, no, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. How can you go from you are the Christ? Because I used to think, how can someone be in church for 20 years and then disappear? How do you go online and see Christian musicians that have written worship songs and now say they don't believe anymore? How can you do that? Because you've gone from revelation to reason. And so Peter denies Christ by a cold fire and walks away. He reacts, he retreats, and he runs away. Where did that lead? It led to discouragement, disappointment, detachment, and disappearing. That's what happened to Peter. Do you know if every person that went from revelation to reason in Adelaide today came back to the church, we wouldn't have a building big enough. We wouldn't have a building big enough. But people allowed reason. The church hurt me. Of course it will. That's made up of human beings like you and like me. And we do live with reason and revelation. And if we give in to the reason, we can do some pretty sad things. The world is so full of hurt Christians because of a life of reason over revelation. Reason leads to lack of proximity. And then you move into isolation. One of the greatest ways the devil wants to take us away from the revelation of who God is is isolation. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. No, you do. You actually do. Because the whole New Testament says the minute we are true Christians, our lives are given away for others. And then the whole New Testament is about how we do one anothering and how we use our gifts to build one another, and how we stir one another up in love and good works. You'd have to throw the whole Bible away if being a Christian didn't involve being in Christian community. But the good news in Peter's life, this finishes up really good, is that he becomes the Peter of return. After all that disappointment, discouragement and hurt, he goes back fishing. It's amazing what we go back to when we're disappointed. And he goes back to the very place where he started and he's out fishing and they couldn't catch any fish. And then one night he looks up and there's Jesus. It could have been a morning. I don't know if it was night or morning, but one time he looks up and there's Jesus cooking breakfast on the beach. He's gone back fishing He's gone back and disappointed that he'd lied about the God he loved, the Jesus he loved. Broken hearted, I guess, feeling like I don't deserve to ever come back. And he looks up and he sees that it's Jesus and after not fishing, not catching any fish, Jesus gets involved in the story and they catch fish again. And I'm sure the remembrance in Peter's mind of the miracles he'd seen earlier on with Jesus. And the part that gets me is when he gets to the beach, Jesus is cooking breakfast by a coal fire. The last time Peter saw a cold fire was the night he denied him. You won't see coal fire mentioned in the New Testament other than those two times. Can you imagine when Peter turns up and there's a coal fire? What would have gone through his head? Oh my goodness. How am I going to apologise? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? 
Jesus waits for him to come back to Revelation. Can you imagine what was going through Peter's head? The last time, as I said, he saw a coal fire was the night he denied Christ. But the Peter of reason walks out of Revelation, walks out of his call, goes back to reason. They catch nothing. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, the miracle happens again. When he saw that coal fire, I wonder what went through his head. The moment of his call, you're going to build my church, Pete? The moment of his crash, I really stuffed this up. Or the compassion of Jesus who brings him back to Revelation. Cooking that breakfast on the beach and says, Pete, come home. Come home, Pete. Do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Do you really love me? Yeah, I really do. Well, if you really love me, Peter, why don't you get back to doing what I called you to do? Get back to looking after the sheep. See, friends, we all live daily with the pull of reason and also the loving call to revelation. I am deeply, deeply moved by a new generation of young teenagers. I loved being here at the youth conference. It was fantastic. Brilliant time. There's a new army of young people. We need to get them into Revelation because what the world's got out there will eat them up for breakfast if they don't know what they know about what they believe. And we've got to get back to Revelation and we've got to get back into proximity with Jesus through prayer and the Word. I know this sounds old-fashioned, but I want to tell you I journal every day of my life. I get up early in the morning and I just go to the Scriptures and I say, Lord, just give me a word of Revelation. Give me a word of revelation. When I preach, I say, God, give me the word that can bring impartation to the people. And I believe this morning, God wants to encourage us that no matter how dark the world gets, we can all have an it is written. When Jesus was attacked by the devil in the wilderness, in Luke chapter 4, he's being tempted after he's called. Someone said to me, Pastor Danny is being filled with the Holy Spirit identified by speaking in tongues. And I said, no. I said, really? So what's the evidence? I said, trouble. Trouble. You get full of God's Spirit, things are not going to go right straight away. The devil will throw the book at you. And Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil and he doesn't get into a discussion with him. He doesn't get into argumentative conversation. He just says, it is written. And when I meet with non-Christians pretty well on a weekly basis, I can go to what I know it is written and tell my story like Peter. You see what happens in 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter's an old man. He's about to die. And he writes this passage of Scripture to other leaders. And when you go to 1 Peter 5, verse 2 to 5, he says this, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Now this is the Peter of Revelation again, you see. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you, 
Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a great crown, a never-ending glory and honour. Peter is not giving a sermon. Peter's actually giving his testimony. If you read 1 Peter 5, he's going, hey, listen, shepherd the flock. I wonder if Peter was thinking of that time on the beach when Jesus goes, do you love me, Pete? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now as an old man, he's repeating his story. He's saying, I had a revelation of what it means to be a shepherd. And I was on a beach one time after I'd had denied Christ, after I had done all my life of reason. And I came back to revelation and I'm saying to you, please get the same revelation. So humble yourselves, verse 6, under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honour. What about that night when Jesus takes a bowl of water and a towel and he starts to wash the disciples' feet? And Peter, no way, Jesus. I'm not going to let you do that to me, Peter of reason. Jesus explains why he needs to do it. And then Peter goes to the other extreme. Wash me all over. Not just my feet, but drown me. I sort of identify with Peter a little bit. Humble yourselves before mighty God because there was a time, guys, I thought I knew better. And when Jesus bowed before us and washed our feet, I learned what humility was all about. Give all your worries and cares to God, verse 7. I wonder if Peter's thinking... What about that night on the lake? And they're crossing over the lake and a storm comes up and they're nearly drowning. Now when fishermen nearly drown, you know this is serious. And Jesus is asleep in the storm. And Peter comes and shakes Jesus, wakes him up and he goes, don't you care that we perish? Now as an old man, he goes, cast all your care upon him. What revelation did Peter learn about the true Jesus and what he brings in troubled times? The world is in a storm right now. Again, tonight I'm going to be speaking about the end times and the things the Bible predicts and the things that we're living in today that are absolutely proof to me that we're closer now than ever to the return of Jesus. And Christians can get scared. I've never been more excited. Because in the midst of the storm we're in, the church needs to arise. Maybe it's the only way the church will really wake up. Maybe it's the only way the church will get together with other churches and say, we're going to touch our city. We're going to come together. We're going to make a difference. Because the voice of the church is being shut down now in Canberra, in, in politics, in every area that we're being made fun of. I don't see that as a sign of defeat. I see that as a sign of rising up, not in anger, but in living out by revelation the truth of who God is and showing a broken world that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I'd like the musicians to come. You see, just before Jesus went to the cross, they're in the garden and the disciples fall asleep. Jesus is sweating blood and they fall asleep. And Jesus says to them, can't you just stay with me one hour? 
And now in verse 8, Peter writes at the end of his life, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Wow. Stand firm against him. Be strong. And so Peter's giving you his story. He's saying, there was a time I didn't think Jesus cared. But boy, cast all your cares upon him. There was a time I didn't understand humility, but boy, did Jesus show me what that was all about. There was a time when I was so stressed out. I fell asleep in the garden and I couldn't be awake for an hour. Stay alert. The Peter of revelation, not the Peter of reason, finishes strong. He returns to revelation. And I want to say today, please, please, please hear my heart. We need to all come back to feeding the right part of us. You cannot not read your Bible and just turn up once a week to church and expect for your life to change. We must all have a personal walk with Jesus that's so enjoyable. I'm happy to go without breakfast, but I can't go without that moment of revelation. To open up the Word and, and it becomes activation for the day. I'm not a professional counsellor, I'm a Bible life coach, but I sit every Tuesday with six, seven couples whose marriages are hitting the wall or about to get married and don't know if it's the right thing to do. And it's amazing the Word of God that was given to me that morning becomes the feed for that situation. Last Saturday, I had a young couple come to my home for pre-marriage chat. And the Holy Spirit puts a thought in my mind and heart that I can't shake and a scripture. The thought was this, tell the young lady to stop trying to be the Holy Spirit. I go, oh, she's going to hate me if I tell her that. As soon as I said it, she burst into tears. Then I gave her the scripture. She goes, I got that scripture this morning and I knew I needed to change. And what? went from a fighting each other, there was tears of surrender. One intervention from God changes everything. And my prayer is that every one of us in this room can make a commitment, no matter what happens in life, I'm not going to give in to the wrong wolf. I'm not going to give in to the voice of reason, but I'm going to rise above that voice and give in to the voice of revelation. You know, when God challenged me to hand over my church, there was a part of me that didn't want to do it. Everything was going great. It was in a good season. And in my heart, over and over and over again, there was this thing, you need to work in the business world, you need to work in the body of Christ at large. I've never advertised. I've never had a go to my website. And yet right now, all these years later, every one of those doors is opening without me having to do it because I listened to Revelation. Just reading the Gospel of Matthew one day and the Holy Spirit puts this thought in my mind. Where did all the miracles happen? In the Gospel of Matthew. I go, I don't know. I started to read the book of Matthew. They, no, they never happened in church. On the way home from the temple, Jesus healed people. And I began to see that the church outside its four walls can be so impacting in its community that everything shifted in me because of revelation. My prayer for you is that 
every day when those two voices speak, the voice of revelation will override the voice of reason. Some of you right now, can we bow our heads in prayer? There's a couple of people in the room today that you've been really, really challenged in your marriage. And the voice of reason says, I don't think I can do this much longer. We are so incompatible. And the voice of revelation says, no, you need to fight the fight of faith. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, bring God into the picture. I'm not even going to ask you to put up your hand because I don't need to know. I just know in my heart. And I want to respect you this morning to not embarrass anybody. But Father, please, this morning, Lord, let your voice of revelation become the loudest voice in these dear people's minds, I pray. In Jesus' name. I just want to close with this. Oh, sorry. I just want to close with this. I know we've got to be done soon. But if you want, and there's no pressure whatsoever, if you feel that your whole life has been bombarded with reason, and as we were worshipping today, I felt some of you, there's a blockage in reading the Bible. When you read it, it's like you don't understand it, you don't get it. I actually feel that when you bring a message like this, there's got to be an activation. And we're going to sing that second to last song we did, beautiful song. And as we sing, if you would like prayer for clarity to come so that there'll be a a drawing into revelation, that as you start to journal every day and read the Bible, that God will let verses stand out to you that'll become pillars in your life. Then we're going to stand. Let's all stand. And we sing this song. I'd love to put my arms around you and just pray today because I want you to have what I know to be true. I really do because I'm not pulling your leg today. This is not just for pastors. Every one of us is a priest unto God. We're all leaders. We're all Christian influencers. And as we sing, if you say, Lord, you might need to come and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for living out of reason. And today I make a choice to be listening to the loudest voice, the voice of revelation. But if you struggle to get revelation, I want to pray for you as well. And no pressure, but I'm making myself available to do that if uh, we can just sing that. And then we'll pray. Thank you so much. Bless you.